Starry, starry night Paint your palette blue and gray Look out on a summer's day With eyes that know the darkness as the brand-new governor of California, in 1975, Jerry Brown crafted the California Arts Council. He said the arts are central to life. So my thought was that the very act of creating the Arts Council would be an artistic act itself. And then the meetings became uh, performance art. In his first year, he turned over space in his office to about a half a dozen art shows. The Arts Council budget from the state general fund that year, $1 million. And for nearly 40 years, it stayed at $1 million. As of this year, it's $15 million from the general fund and another one-time haul of $9 million. This is also the year that Jody Evans joins the California Arts Council. Brown appointed her four days before he left office, and more than 40 years after she was right there when it was all created. She's an artist herself and an old friend and one-time campaign manager of Brown's. She's also the co-founder of the women's activist group Code Pink. It's a strong color in any artist's palette and an eye-popping one on the political rainbow. Morning fields of amber gray, weathered faces. The California Arts Council, what does it do and what do you want to do with it? Well, the interesting thing about getting appointed to the California Arts Council was that I was one of the advocates for its founding in 1975. And Marsha Weissman was really pushing for it to happen, who totally believed in art for the public. And I was at her home at the funeral for her son when I got the call that I was appointed. So 44 years later, it's really kind of magical that I find myself in this position. A lot has happened and many amazing people have been on the California Arts Council up till now. And what it was about is the arts are essential to a healthy person, to a healthy community, and to a healthy world. And I'm an anti-war activist, and my work is about peace. We look at the war economy that really is driving things, and you need a peace economy, and culture and art are core to that. So I'm very excited to be a part of it for that reason. They've done so much over the 44 years. Now I think there's a huge piece of the budget that's invested in prisons, because it's such a good way for people to heal, for finding finding empathy, for even finding their voice. And that's why it's so important in schools and just a crime that it was ever defunded in schools. So a lot of the funding is programs for schools and programs for community. Another awesome thing about the arts is they bring people together. They're kind of a, a class bridge and really helping us see ourselves and each other and humanizing. Where does the money come from for the Arts Council? The California budget, a certain very small percentage goes to art. Gavin just, in his new budget, has $10 more million to add to it. So he sees the value of art. Now, California is pretty low as far as what the state invests in the arts. I think at one point it was almost 50th per capita. I would really love to, in my tenure, help raise the budget much more. There's so much to be done. And also just in how we make our communities healthier and how can we invest in more community art. Some cities, I think, have bigger budgets than the state of California, like San Francisco and San Jose. It also drives the economy. So you're talking billions of dollars is created for the, the state from the creatives and you're not funding it enough. Matter of fact, I think the number one thing that corporations look for now in employees is creativity. 
How does the Arts Council define art? What qualifies as art and how does it decide how to spend its money? The arts are broadly defined, very broadly defined, and the decision is around a vision. So the council comes together and says, oh, here's an area that's underfunded, or here's some healing that could happen in the community if we fund this. One of the things is that the funding be in diverse communities that don't get funding. So it's not like you want the money to go to LACMA, because it's going to get money from people of wealth. You want it to go in places where money isn't flowing especially arts around poverty. In neighborhoods where you have more art programs, it affects poverty, it affects health, it affects kids graduating from high school. So it's finding where that infusion and that investment could help the health of the whole state of California. So the Arts Council itself is about trying to, about stimulating creativity and with the old, the beginning uh, of the arts uh, in residence, in prisons and hospitals, uh, a, a real... Uh, spreading out of uh, artistic expression through the means of the Arts Council and the funding we gave it. In 1975, when this Arts Council idea was suggested, there was still arts funding in the schools. There were still arts programs in the schools. And now, with the disappearance of money, there's the disappearance of art programs as well. What are the consequences of that? People did say what was going to happen when you took the funding away from arts and schools, but I don't think enough people experienced how bad it would be without the arts and schools. But if you haven't been nourishing a whole spectrum of arts, then you've got a ways to go. It takes a while to rebuild. It just needs to be nurtured. The comeback to that is, well, look, that's, you know, there are museums that kids can create art and see art on their phones, on their iPads. So why do you need programs? They're how we learn that we're human and what human is and how we express ourselves. And that's what the programs are in these communities. With the arts, you can find your way to your own voice. You can discover even who you are. I was just with Frank Gehry at breakfast, and he was talking about a program that actually came out of the Arts Council. He now has 40 schools that they're funding art projects in. And David Hockney had gone up about a year ago. The school where 60% of the students are homeless. And then David Hockney comes in with then what that experience is to have a kid be taught by David Hockney and then what they produce is so amazing. He told me that David Hockney has since gone up and taken those students to his opera that was in San Francisco. He drove them to the opera and then afterwards had them stand on the stage. I see that at 826LA, what happens when these young students come in, the only students we serve are those that qualify for school lunch. So you have students that don't have a parent at home because they're working three jobs. The parent doesn't speak English, doesn't know how to help them with their homework, and we help with homework and then do writing. I know that we serve the student, the school, the teacher, the parent, the community. You're not just serving a student. You're serving their future. You were appointed by Jerry Brown. You and Jerry go way back. I don't think of him as an artsy guy. I think of him as cerebral but not aesthetic. Where am I wrong? I disagree. (laughs) He's very aesthetic. He was just showing me a picture of the table that he's had ever since 1972 that's going to be at the ranch. I know a beautiful furniture designer that designed the the table that was in the governor's office where he had meetings. It was elegant and beautiful, and he picked the woods. He definitely has an aesthetic. In the introduction to the collected poems by Robert Frost, he described what it was uh, to create a poem. What was the figure that a poem made. And he said uh, it was like a uh, 
uh, a piece of ice on a hot stove. It, ro it rode on its own melting, began with a question, and ended with wisdom. And there we have the California Arts Council. Thank you. What is your artistic background? I know your late husband was a great collector. Well, I'm actually an artist. I came to California to get a degree in design. I come from eight generations of potters. I also play the harp, and I make documentary films. Most Dangerous Man in America, Daniel Ellsberg, and The Square. That happened because I was watching everything that was happening in Iraq, and I was like, we need a whistleblower. Somebody's got to tell the truth about what's happening here. We need to tell the Square of a whistleblower so there'll be more whistleblowers. And then Dan went to Russia, and he met Ed Snowden, and Ed grabbed Dan by the shoulders, and he said, when I saw Most Dangerous Man in America, I had the courage to do what I did. Talk about the relationship between artistic institutions, you know, like LACMA or the Broad, versus the kind of demotic art you're talking about, an art that doesn't have walls, something you do at home or something you do at school or in the street. I have to be careful here because <laughs> institutions are created to benefit the elite. And that's a problem. And it's about capitalism and greed and investment and assets. Yes, there's amazing art on those walls. And yes, it's awesome that some of them are open to the public and you can see that. But they're also problematic in the sense of it creates a market, it creates greed, it lets few people determine what art is and leaves others out. What's great about the California Arts Council was the intention was that art would be broad and it would be diverse and it would be to many audiences and available to all. And that was really why Marsha was fighting so hard for it. Marsha Wiseman was Norton Simon's sister. And she wanted to break down the walls of the museums and wanted art to be something that was available to everyone, both in the creation and in and the experience. I came here to go to art school, and the first thing you did was go to LACMA. looked very different then. I would say museums have been forced to change over that, that 44 years and become more available to the public and free and have programs. You're wearing your code pink for peace button. You're wearing your no human being is illegal earrings. You founded Code Pink, co-founded Code co-founded Pink. Co-founded with Matia Benjamin. And where does it stand now? We started because Bush was frightening the American people into war with Code Red and Code Orange and Code Yellow. So we called Code Pink for peace. So at Code Pink, we both have the work of growing a local peace economy for people to really start to understand how much we all live inside of this war machine and how much it affects our lives, and then to divest from war. So cities, states, counties, your pension plan, churches, universities, people are all invested in war, which I say means you're making a killing on killing. The Pope has come out very strong against the investment in weapons. But we're not going to stop these wars unless we get to the root causes and what's happening. Code Pink's also been very visible, very canny about putting over its message in places like the White House and an NRA event. Do you think those work? How do they play in the public mind? Condi Rice is going to come to Congress and she's going to sell war again. And there we are all with, you know, red hands. And one of the librarian, she's part of Code Pink, put her hands like this around Condi's face and said, you have the blood of Iraqi children on your face. And that picture went around the world. 
I would see another one was when Cindy Sheehan, whose son had been killed in Iraq, was at the Vets for Peace conference in Dallas. I said, oh, why don't you go on down and knock on George Bush's door and say, what noble clause did my son die for? And she did. And for a month, we were outside George Bush's ranch saying, what noble cause? And many mothers came who had lost mothers and fathers who had lost their children in Iraq. And he would, nobody would open the door. For some people, what we do is uncomfortable because we are telling the truth in a sea of lies. And for some people, that's really hard. We try to be creative and disarming when we do it because we're a peace activist. So we don't want to create any kind of pressure. If you're just screaming, you create more resistance. We try to be clever with our messages so that people laugh at them, but also get the message at the same time. So eventually, can you hang up the pink? What's your idea of winning? My idea of winning is lowering the budget that we spend on war by about 80% and by investing in peace, which includes the arts, but investing in those things that connect us, that remind us that we're human and that we're not going to get through this unless we're connected. Now I understand. Jody Evans, thanks. What thanks, you Pat. to say to me how you suffered for your sanity and how you tried to set them free they would not Pat Morrison asks is produced for the Los Angeles Times by Pat Morrison it's engineered and edited by Mike Heflin the music is Don McLean's Vincent on the United Artists record label and Jerry Brown's remarks are from the California Arts Council's 40th anniversary celebration be sure to subscribe to Pat Morrison asks and you will never miss a podcast Swirling clouds in violet haze Reflect in Vincent's eyes of china blue Colors changing